Phoebe, we just watched The Matrix 4 Resurrection, uh, but what if it's not the story we think it is? But what if it is? Oh my gosh, mind blown. Whoa, I think I'm going down a <laughs> rabbit hole. There's a white rabbit with a pocket watch chasing after me. I can't figure out what's happening. Is it a cash grab? Is it a strike on capitalism? Is it about freeing our minds? What is The Matrix about? It's about everything. That is pretty clear. Um, I think that's kind of what they told us in the movie, too. They, they did. They told us a lot. Yeah. A lot of things. <laughs> um, great. Greatest movie sequel of all time? Mm, let's talk about it. Uh, I'm ready. Right after these messages from <laughs> our theme song. They yell about directors, yell about the plot, yell about the acting, but they also talk a lot, but mostly Joshua and Phoebe yell about the movies. Phoebe, we are back with a brand new episode of Joshua and Phoebe yell about movies. Today, we're talking about a movie. The Matrix. The Matrix 4. Finally, we've gone back to... The Matrix, was the wait worth it? Have you been waiting, thinking about this sequel for 20 years? I mean, the first Matrix definitely changed my life, my religion, Mm -hmm. my perspective, and definitely my outfits. But the second and the third lost me a little bit. I was beyond confused. So this one, I was excited to reconvene with an experience I had when I was 20. I see. And what was that experience? Uh, Nostalgia and a little bit of commentary to some of the serious stuff that we're going through today, like AI, pandemic, uh, I don't know, lots of themes that came up that were commenting on current times today that the first one also did in the 90s. Yeah, like the red pill, the blue pill. And then then it turns out it's not even a choice. But I have a feeling you and I disagree a little bit on this movie. A little bit. A little bit. Is that okay? Are we going to still have a successful episode if a husband and wife disagree? Wow. Wow. This this sounds like a mutiny. But I will say that uh, I just want to remind you that you went into this movie saying, okay, this looks really dumb. Uh, and you weren't too excited. You're like, yeah, fine. I'll talk about it for the podcast. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Uh, and I'll talk about anything for the podcast. Okay, you will. You will. Um, okay, so I noticed as the movie went on, you found yourself enjoying it a little bit more. Could you talk about that and how it subverted your expectations? I did. I felt like the trailer itself yes. was already commenting on itself. It just reeked of a remake every step of the way for the first half hour and definitely through the trailer. It commented on its own analysis. It commented on itself. It gave a wink, wink, nudge, nudge joke to things of the past. It was completely confident in the success of the franchise. It absolutely was. But should it have been? You know, I I thought back on this wink, wink comment you're giving us, specifically the very first one, when the new Morpheus shows up in the bathroom and he says, at last, and... And uh, Keanu Reeves is like, what? And the new Morpheus, who's played by uh, a guy with three names, whose name I can't remember still, but he's also, he plays Candyman, and we've seen him in everything lately. He uh, He's a new Morpheus, and he explained in, in a flashback video, oh, uh, also, this this movie shows you 
more flashback videos of the first and second and third film than any other film I've ever seen. Oh my gosh, it was so self-conscious and yet completely confident of itself. By the way, uh, the actor that played that is Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. Well, he's got a lot to live up to because of uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen I, his dad. I heard he's a big fan of the podcast. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so yeah, the setup is we learn a little later that Keanu has been gone for 60 years. It's not 20 years in our real time. It's been 60 years of the Matrix. So this new Morpheus character has been suffering under the machines for 60 years. And you'd think he'd be a little more worn down and not up for making like little jokes like that, you know, with someone who didn't even know what the joke was. It was a joke to himself. Maybe that's how they keep their spirits up. Well, I mean, that's I what I liked about the first Matrix. It was completely humorless. It wasn't sure that it was going to be a hit yet. So it was more focused and mm-hmm. more directed and was much more deep. This one is like, yeah, we've made a gazillion dollars. We're good. We can tell some jokes now and even poke some fun at ourselves. And it seemed a little slapsticky to me. I don't think it made for a bad movie that they were being humorous. I just think that it compared to the first Matrix when it wasn't commenting on itself mm-hmm. and self-conscious and also kind of arrogant and um, full of itself. I <laughs> I thought it did a little bit better. First Matrix blew everyone's minds. Blew my mind. Blew your mind. Created a whole new language for talking about films like Following the White Rabbit, Blue Pill, Red Pill, Bullet Time, all these other effects. Although I do feel like the references to one pill makes you larger and one pill makes you small. And then also the Alice in Wonderland. Like, they're tired. Like, they were really kind of trendy in the 2000s. And I thought those were tired. I was more interested in how they resurrected the Matrix. Right. And the commentary that they were making on present times. I thought that was really interesting. Right. And I also like seeing Keanu Reeves in a bathtub with a rubber ducky on his head. <laughs> okay. I enjoyed that. Too. And you and you also enjoyed seeing him on the toilet with uh, poop thoughts, you said. <laughs> yes. And we had to rewind Don't that miss one. it, folks. We rewound it. Don't miss it. Keanu Reeves on the toilet having inspired... Poop thoughts. That's right. Uh, it's on HBO Max, so you can't rewind at the theater, but on HBO Max, you can. Spoiler. <laughs> Rewinding is the thing. Uh, okay, that one I enjoyed. And there were some moments that made me laugh. I, I just generally struggle with exposition and um, self-commentary. Right. Now, there was quite a lot of What did of you it. call it? Meta? Right. Meta is a state of commenting on itself. Like, we're commenting on our own podcast, you guys. It was completely annoying, and we must be annoying, too. Well, I I don't think so. Anyway, um, yeah, well, like, did you did you think there was too much exposition? So just to go over the plot, uh, at the very beginning, he's like a game designer, and we see him, the robots have um, tricked his mind into thinking that The Matrix was a game he designed. So all the three other films he's watching is like a video game world he, he thinks he's creating called and it's by a company. No, the new game's called Binary. Well, I which I also wonder if the because Binary came up a lot. Mm-hmm. Even the therapist, the who turns out to be the architect, Dewey right. Hauser. Um Binary came up a lot. And I wondered if it was also a statement since I mean, a lot has happened since the first Matrix. One yep. is that the Wachowski brothers have transitions mm-hmm. to who they truly are yep which are women the wachowski sisters or as the tagline now says the wachowskis 
the Wachowskis. The Wachowskis, which exactly. is easier for everyone. So I wondered if when you hear words like binary in the, in the age of like educating ourselves to sexuality and non-binary and, you know, the concepts of choice being an illusion and if there was any sort of commentary to that, I thought it was interesting. Well, there, there might be like at one point, like the game designers, when they're hashing out, when they're like, what is the matrix? And one person was like, oh, I think it's about trans ethics. Another one was about, I think it's about overthrowing capitalist society. And, um, but that's what I really enjoyed. That's one of the things I really enjoyed about the whole concept of the matrix. Like the whole world is a construct and you can't really see the truth. Um, that's big and it's done a little clumsier than that. And a little film I love called They Live, uh, starring a wrestler, Roddy Piper. When oh. they put on 3D glasses, they can see the hidden images that the demon-looking skull aliens have everywhere. But only if you're wearing the 3D glasses, then you can really see oh. the truth. So that I'm not saying they watched that movie, but they probably did. It's a great mm-hmm. movie. They mm-hmm. Live, uh, Roddy Piper. But The Matrix, you can really overlay your own ideas onto it. Christianity. Buddhism, trans politics, sure. capitalism, sure. socialism. Same way as you did the first time. Right. In fact, we know you can do that because uh, the right wing movement uh, capitalized. You may not be aware of this, but they capitalized on uh, this concept of red pilling. And so they say uh, by red pilling, you're waking up to the fact that, uh, you know, the right wing is the way to go. Essentially, Never heard that. Well, now you have. Where did you learn that? Um I, I read a lot about conservative culture. Wow. Gosh. Well, let us know how it goes. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I don't spend a lot. I only I only read about the stories about Reddit. I don't actually go to Reddit and read these stories first day. I just have one question for you. I'm Are ready. we going to live? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> of course. <laughs> However, nothing apparently can breed violence like scarcity. I thought that was a mm. very interesting point. What do you yes. think they were talking about with that? Well, you were talking about war, right? What were your thoughts on that? Nothing breeds violence like scarcity. That could be a commentary on just about anything. Could be a commentary on war. It could be a commentary on scarcity of thought. If you have scarcity of thought, you disbelieve um, everything your narrative tells you to, and everything outside of that narrative, you shut it out. And then you call yourself a free thinker, and you go on Fox News anyway, and you make a million dollars. Okay, just like the just like the guy this week who told Joe Biden to. Let's go, Brandon. And then he calls himself a free thinker. Oh, my God. Free thinker, just like all the other yokels uh, going around so saying upsetting. that. so upsetting. So disappointing. It was. Disheartening. Disheartening is the word. Yeah. Right. So anyway, there was, there, was a, there was a lot to it. And, uh, okay, so the wink-wink, nudge-nudge stuff, like what is the Matrix? What is it all about? Morpheus. The new guy plays the character a little lighter than the old Morpheus. Much lighter. Right. However, Everybody's much lighter. However, it gets to my next point. The girl who plays Trinity does not play it lighter. She plays it stone cold straight. It was it was like no time <laughs> for them emotionally. It happened between then and now. Right. Carrie Ann Moss. Right. Um, I've always wondered, um, if, was there any other role that she had ever played? And are we watching the span of her dramatic scope? I don't know. But... I think she's great as Trinity. What a love story. She's great. I believed it. And what were you saying about Trinity? Carrie Ann Moss is fantastic. I just wondered if we were seeing the entire scope of her dramatic ability because I've never seen her in anything else. Has she been in anything else? I'm not going to do a second IMDb search in this episode. (laughs) Well, she was great in this. And I actually thought that Trinity came more alive and was more honored and given more power in this I don't want to call it an episode, but yeah. this feels this, like an episode because film. 
Right, it feels like an episode because the ending really felt like they were setting up for a sequel, like that cover of Rage Against the Machine by a by a female singer, whoever it was. We didn't look it up, and then they fly off. Except this time, it's Trinity flying off, not Neo flying off. Right, that they were stronger together. Because honestly, like even though the Matrix blew my mind, the first Matrix. I didn't believe that they were in love. Hmm. I didn't get that part of the story at all. I got it a lot more poignantly in this one. Yeah. Neil Patrick Harris, not Dookie Hauser. Neil right. Patrick Harris was totally awesome in this, by the way. And so yeah. was, I forget his name, the guy that, that was in Hamilton. Oh, oh right, right, right. The, uh, the, the guy who played Agent Smith in this one. Yeah, I thought, right. this, I thought, I thought the actors were really great. Um, did I buy that Agent Smith some, suddenly came out and, and had an alliance? They even commented on it. They were like, an unexpected alliance. And it's like, oh my gosh, they're commenting on themselves and their decisions again. Well, okay, fine, but... I know, but it that, that that felt like to me like like a trope borrowed from like kids' action movies of the 80s, which I haven't looked how old the Wachowskis are. I'm guessing they're my age and probably it was... unapologetically formulaic. Well, so is everything. You can't escape formulas. Mm. No, I'm not anti-formula. I'm just saying stop commenting about it and like saying like, aren't we great? Like throughout it. It was a little annoying. Oh, well, I mean, it's unexpected alliance thing. That was, it, I mean, it felt like a plot of a G.I. Joe cartoon. Right. What in the 80s, which I'm guessing that they probably watched because I'm, I'm assuming they're my age, about 40s. One of the things that you said while we were watching the movie that I thought was especially fascinating was you pointed out how they made the matrix into a video game and neo into or mr anderson um was the designer of the video game right which is a comment on how we even today gamify gamify reality we sure do we sure do everything from tinder mm-hmm. or any host of dating apps or Gosh, what else? Social media and wars that are happening on there just through like tweeting. It's not, it's not a game, right? Politics is turned into uh, gamified, Gosh, right? It's like it's like our side, television our show. side, their side. I yeah, mean, right. And that's sometimes you just want to curl up and take the blue pill, right? They, which they I drown everything out, drown everything out. Just go into work or podcasts or whatever you're doing and ignore everything right and just like the character shepherd said that he said people wanted to be free like the concept of um what was the other thing he said not all seek to control like of the robots not all seek to control just as not all wish to be free yeah why would somebody want to come into this horror movie of a reality right just stay in a pod there's not even redwoods anymore. There's one point when they they make it back to the new uh, human city, which is now called Io, because Zion was destroyed and it, and it didn't succeed. And Niobe, who's Will Smith's wife, uh, Jada Pinkett I, I guess, Smith, Jada Pinkett Smith, and makeup to make her look like an 80 year old woman, mm. is uh, so excited they can synthesize uh, strawberries now. And uh, before, all they had was like. Uh, oatmeal kind of slop which i absolutely found offensive by the way like what? no offense against jada pinkett smith i mean like it's her role and everything but like you hated her i thought that she was the worst right. i didn't say i hated her hate is strong i just right. think that she's the worst um no there was there was no connection between her and neo they tried to set up like this little connection like this movie also did a so lot bad. of pulling on strings like you said nostalgia so many minor characters are brought back uh, this indian uh oh yeah indian woman was like 
the little girl from the first Matrix who right. like wakes Neo up, and now here she jo- is, jo- Mrs. Joe Jonas. Right. Yeah, she was there. Some bad guy characters, some some allies of Neo from the second and third movies were there as like villains in like a completely meaningless fight scene. Right. Right. The fight scene was really just between Neo and Agent Smith, but they threw in all these other guys for for what? It was totally meaningless. I mean. The the fights didn't quite live up to what they did before, except I I I, I get really hyped up with the uh, the Neo versus Agent Smith fight, and uh, he blasts him out of the wall, you know, with his um, when he remembers that he's fighting for Trinity, mm-hmm. which was the same way he blasted Morpheus out of that uh, out of the house when he Morpheus was fighting him, and he said, and Neo says, I don't want to, I don't, I don't feel like fighting anymore. And Morpheus reminds him that you, you do, you remember who you're fighting for. Yeah, 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 that was beautiful. There were a ton of 2000s cameos by, yes. like, one of them, uh, you just mentioned one, and then the other one was Christina Ricci, who came out of nowhere. I'm still trying to figure <laughs> out her, like, connection to this, other than that maybe, like, somebody on set thought that she was fabulous, but... Or owed her a favor. <laughs> something like that. She was pretty fun. She seems like a bobblehead of herself in this. Uh, also, she seemed like she was from the movie Mars Attacks, like an alien. <laughs> yeah, I was... She was like, hey, guys, we're going back to the Matrix, you know? Uh, yeah, that was in, that, she was in a different Tim Burton film, but yes. yes. Now, did you hate all of the wink, wink, nod, nod stuff? Like, before, like one, my favorite one was where the new Agent Smith character, who, yes, is Jonathan Groff, the guy who played King George in Hamilton, he had my favorite wink, wink, nod, nod line when he told Keanu Reeves, who was still playing... Uh, Mr. Anderson, mm. uh, at this point, he wasn't Neo yet because he hadn't woken up. He hadn't been woken or waked, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, yeah, he said, Warner Brothers says they'll make the new Matrix with us or without us. And, and Keanu was like, they can do that? And then, you know, the movie's made by Warner Brothers. That was very funny. Okay, that moment was both annoying and funny at the same time. Absolutely. It but was. it was very tongue-in-cheek. It was, I thought it was very funny. Right. Now, between those two characters, I felt like they could do that realistically because they're in that made-up world. But whereas Morpheus, he shouldn't have been able to do that because he should have been feeling the weight of 60 years of robot oppression. Right. What did he say? Because I think Hugo Weaving, who was the original Agent Smith, was not playing Agent Smith. So when he said... Except in flashbacks, which there were a lot of them. I hope he got some residuals for that. But uh, Groff looked and said... Oh, gosh, I wish I could remember the quote, but it was mentioning Warner Brothers and redoing it because they could. And he was like, but they can't do that without them, Keanu says. And he was like, oh, but they can. I just thought it was really ironic considering that um, he was Hugo Weaving's place. Oh, yeah, that too. Good point. Yeah, no, this uh, <laughs> Jonathan Grubb was just like a smarmy, just like douche. And you just wanted to hate him but I he was know. i thought he was really effective at this care as this character didn't you think uh, yeah i thought it was interesting that carrie ann moss's character known as tiffany which uh-huh. is it irritated her yeah she was fun married a chad right and chads in um american culture are known to be these sort of like douchey white guys that have really rich dads who vacation and get super drunk on White Claw and Jaeger in Nantucket, Massachusetts. In fact, there's an entire Instagram page called Chad Tucket, which is kind of hilarious and wrong at the same time. So I didn't know if that was a comment. 
on uh, douchebags named Chad. But I hope it is. It would be more fun <laughs> if it was. More fun. It's okay to make fun of random names because, I mean, we can't make fun of specific people anymore. So let's make fun of random names. I think. <laughs> um, yeah, what did you think about, uh, like, the, the bigger philosophy behind this stuff? The more we manipulate you, the easier you are to control that Neil Patrick Harris said at the end in this long speech when uh, Neo comes in to rescue Trinity and then uh, the analyst, played by Neil Patrick Harris, slows him down and he gives like his big, like, I'm the villain speech. Here's like the whole theme of the movie. Oh, uh, my gosh. The, uh, or did that drive you crazy? There were like three different deus ex machinas there. And for <laughs> kids at home that don't know what that is yet and haven't become a theater major, deus ex machinas are a device in scripts of a person that comes out and explains to you everything that happens and sums up everything and gives the answers so that there's lots of closure. And there were like three of those. There was a lot of telling, not showing. Mm-hmm. But they can get away with it because this is already, you know made a gazillion dollars so they have the confidence to be able to wink at themselves well i i wasn't sure that one was winking i thought it was more explaining explaining the greater philosophy behind it to make sure that uh their narrative didn't get hijacked by the conservative movement for instance they want to make sure that they you know they made it as specific as they could i think but uh what did you think about that uh binary thing it was not really a choice like one of the, one of the options was do you do you want to remain meekly incarcerated or go rescue trinity not really a choice i don't know i want you know to look mean? into i can't help it like i can't hear the word binary mm-hmm. without thinking non-binary and right. and everything that we've learned from the lgbtq and on movement Right. right. So knowing that the Wachowski sisters or the Wachowskis are trans women, I wondered if that was on purpose, if that was, you know, the, the cons. I, I haven't really fleshed out this thought because I'm still trying to process the concept of binary and choice mm-hmm. through the Wachowski sisters' minds. Well, maybe you're using the concept of adaptive anger and human trauma like Neil Patrick Harris was to Neo. Mm-hmm. Right. Who, who he was trying to convince that all these episodes were just created in his own mind as an adaptive process to right. cope with his trauma. Right. Which, right. by the way, I read a Slate article, and they said some of these techniques he was using, like, like, like t- touching. Tugging, touching your pants or like uh, these other things, were actually real techniques. Well, there are real techniques, like people who experience trauma. You yeah. know, especially for those that are you know been traumatized by assault or abuse of any kind, they recommend tapping, where you tap on your head, uh, pressure points on your head to sort of ground you into reality or in the present moment which Mm is um (laughs) didn't look the same uh for neo uh, and keanu reeves in the movie who kept doing these like funny things (laughs) in his hands and i thought (laughs) it actually came out looking a little goofy but tapping is a real practice yes it is and oh going going back to his relationship with the analyst which i enjoyed almost as much as his relationship with trinity Mm. He was talking about his trauma-induced dreams, which he thought were dreams. Was it the relationship, or was it Neil Patrick Harris's uh, sassy acting job? Oh, sassy acting job, for sure. He's so good. But uh, I I loved when he said, Doc, am I crazy? And Neil Patrick says, we don't use that word here. We don't use that word here. Come on. That's that's fun. you got to love that. Um, And then, of course, uh, the reason most people, including us, got lost with Matrix 2 and 3... 
they couldn't figure out how to wrap up the story because it was way too convoluted. And how about this ending like thing where they rescued Trinity? How complicated was that? I mean, I wrote down it was called the Anomalium. There's no way anybody could like I, dissect this without writing out these plot points. Impossible. I, know. I felt like the movie ended at the point where Trinity turned back and said, Stop effing calling me Tiffany. All right, effing hate that name. Right, and then she uh and then she kicks Chad into another dimension and then She kicks Chad into another dimension and right. then her and Neo come together and they blow them all away. And then right. it was like, "Oh, wait a minute, now there's more than it." And then it became another round of fighting and with a bunch of I think CGI people possibly. Um, uh and know. right, and it, it went on a little too long. Right, and they were but then we we got to see them right off into the sunset on a motorcycle again and and uh, kick ass, and uh, we got to see Keanu throw a rocket into a helicopter, and then they jumped off the oh, building. Thank and, you. And then she could fly, not him. She could fly, not him. Thank you for saying the kick ass part, because if we could rewind to the very beginning of the movie, the very first scene where they're going into the original scene where all of the agents come in and find Trinity sort of like in a room right. by herself. Right. They replay that from right. a different angle with this other character, Bugs, played by a girl named Jessica Henwick. Bugs was the only original character of any real substance in this movie. Right. So Jessica Henwick goes in, Bugs goes in and she sees her. She's like, I've seen this scene before. Yeah. And then she announces, this is where she kicks their ass. I was right. like, stop it <laughs> with the self-conscious like commentary. It's not even self-conscious because self-conscious means insecure it's right. just like the self-commentary it's it was desperately annoying to me I, I i did not enjoy that at all and i probably would not have been able to get through the movie if not for you and for our wonderful delightful podcast and i did enjoy it mm -hmm. i loved the love story it got me a little verklempt and mm -hmm. um it was fun to revisit with all of that but at the end of the day like uh totes cheesy okay like as cheesy as the word totes itself. It is very cheesy. I, I thought it was an appropriate use to, so that people could at home could feel the cheese. Okay. Um, be that as it may, uh, did you like any of their inventions? Like uh, how Morpheus in the real world is now like a, a ball-bearing android that can like jump over things. Interesting, although it didn't make sense to me why he needed to climb. If he could manifest suddenly, right. why did he need to climb and scale other... Right, during this like Mission Impossible scene <laughs> at the end where they're trying to rescue Trinity. Now jump onto this ship, now climb in here, why now go into just, the exhaust room. He just manifested on like Neo's prison balcony. Why can't he just manifest on the... on the? Yeah, I thought that was dumb. Um, but I, I did appreciate the technology. Yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. And then there was another guy in Niobe's lab, uh, like another ball-bearing character, mm. who, who, who they just threw in yeah. to make it seem even more like Star Wars, because all the other new characters, the ones that get one or two lines, just felt like uh, extras from like a like the third, the fifth character from a Star Wars, uh, right. you know, TV show, not By Star Wars, way, Star Trek, Star Trek show. There are way too many eighty-year-old actresses, like R Rita Moreno, for example, who was cast in our recent podcast movie west side story that could have played this role other than jada pinkett smith who for not a moment did i believe was actually old her performance was dreadful and um i was pretty anti that decision okay well she was dreadful but uh i don't know i thought they were just trying to honor all the original cast as much as they could 
Um, but then uh, again, really, because Agent Smith and Morpheus are nowhere to be found. I know that seems like um uh, seems pathetic. I mean, there were a lot of people that were not there from the original. Yeah. So why did they pick and choose? Why? Why? It's binary. Why? It's not, not binary. It's not really a choice, is it's it? Not really a choice. Not really a choice. Apparently, Tom Hardy made a cameo in this, and trust me, I was looking out for it. I did not see it. Mm-hmm. Did you catch it? Uh, absolutely not. Do we have to watch this again? Definitely not. I mean, <laughs> uh, I've watched it twice. I loved it. You should just look up who Tom Hardy is. I know who Tom Hardy is. Ah, I just don't he, know where he was in the movie. He's uh, he's a, he's an actor that is wearing uh, something covering his face in most of his movie oh, roles. Trots. Yes. Um, probably in this one too. Uh, okay. Well. What stood out to you the most in this movie? What did you love the most? I think what stood out to me the most on the positive side was the concept of gamifying the real world and how serving robots either way, people preferred the Matrix versus people that wanted to be free. And it made me think about today, um, whether it's AI or working from home or social media or the thousands of people that stormed our nation's capital on January 6th and thinking they're independent thinkers were on a sightseeing trip and not uh, breaking and entering. Yeah. I I did feel, you know, I think I was like, I think I was 19 years old when Mm -hmm. the matrix came out for the first time. And I felt like, um, I had a new religion and a new outlook and a new perspective on life. And I was delighted despite all of the commentary and the wink winks Mm -hmm. i was delighted that the matrix resurrection was also providing that same invitation to be woke Mm -hmm. to your current surroundings now like it was commenting on things that we're going through today i mean it honestly the world feels a lot more like the matrix today than it did when the first movie came out like i'm i'm a little more afraid of my surroundings than i was when i was 19 maybe that's just because i realize i'm not uh immortal anymore uh or because you know times are scary or maybe because you know just about everything has layers underneath it that we can't see Mm-hmm. And there's always another story. Um, but I did appreciate when Trinity said, you know, I'd, something like, you know, I'd love to go to therapy, but I'm just too damn tired. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was uh, that was dur- during uh, one of Neo and Trinity's like little scenes together where he was trying to sort of you know, wake her up and remind her who who she was. And she said that. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate to that. Oh, oh, um she asked him, like, oh, so what's it all about or something like that? And he says, I pay my therapist a lot of money to answer those kind of questions for me. And that's and that's that's when she said, yeah, well, uh, I could use more therapy, but honestly, I'm too damn tired. <laughs> right. And you, you loved it because you related to that. I totally And related I think to that. we all can during this pandemic that is seemingly never ending. I think. Uh, oh, I this- know. There's all this stress on, like, mental health, which is absolutely needs to be stressed and focused on. But, like. Gosh, it feels like, you know, at this point, whenever anybody brings up causes, I feel like they're handing me a pamphlet, you know, like, can we just, you know, if you, we address it then. Right. You're like, I'm tired of looking at the problems. What are, what are the solutions? Mm-hmm. Is that- mm-hmm. Like, what, how are we, how are we addressing the other pandemics happening now? Like, um, unraveling mental health and, and the like, uh, I, don't we- I don't know, it makes me want to go into a pod and just stick up spike in my neck and just go into an alternate universe i know well part of unraveling mental health is we actually have to 
pay for it. Pay for it. That's, us- that's usually the answer to a lot of these problems. Yeah, pay for it. Make wow. it easily accessible. There you go. Simple. I mean, it's a lot more to it, but simplified. A lot more. It, there's a lot more. A lot to more it. to it, but I we mean, have to have qualified people, and uh, people need to know when to get access to the help and how to get yeah, it and why. There's also things like you know, health barriers and circumstances and, and uh, inequity and inequality and all those things, and that is why we can look at the matrix as uh, a frame of reference to put all of our problems of the, the whole world pill. on. Just give me the you, blue. Yeah, there you go. Give me the blue pill. You I'm got ready. it. You got it. Blue pill for Phoebe. Uh, okay, well, guys, it sounds like we've come to the end of our Matrix episode. Um, let's do let's do a rating for the Matrix Four Resurrections. Oh, this is difficult. You're gonna hate me. I I could never hate you. I'm gonna give it seven black cats. Wow. I'm I'm feeling like this is deja vu all over again. I'm taking three off because I was, uh, not. Amused by all of the self commentary on how the whole thing reeked of a remake and how they commented on its own analysis and on itself and made jokes. I was just wanting a new uh, episode of The Matrix, really. I understand, but if they followed the same formula as two and three, part four would have been incredibly bad. You know what? <laughs> You're absolutely right. So I'm going to say seven black cats and then we'll add on. Three spoons. <laughs> but uh, there is no spoon. There is, oh, look at that. <laughs> Call it a callback. That's incredible. I was about as vague as Matrix 3. <laughs> um, I'm going to I'm going to give this movie... Okay, you know what? I'm going to back up and say the real way to review a film or even look at a film is... Uh, First, not by critiquing all these little points or dissecting everything afterwards. It's first asking yourself, how did this movie make me feel in the moment? When you have that as a frame of reference, then you can go back and look at these other little things and then see if that changed your perspective at all. But if, if you just ignore how you feel, then you're ignoring the magic of the movies. Oh. They transport us to a different place, in this case, The Matrix. And it transported me, made me mm. feel good, I enjoyed it. Uh, some of the fight scenes were a little meaningless. I would have liked to have seen Hugo Weaving or or Lawrence Fishburne, but we didn't. Um, instead, we got pretty good substitutes. Uh, I love Handyman. That's our little joke. Uh, mm-hmm. She she hates it when I say Candyman. Don't say it again. All right. I'm not. Uh, oh, by the way, we might do Candyman in the future. How do you feel about that? If you say it one more time, I'll never do it with you <laughs> because I'll be killed. <laughs> Fortunately, there's no mirror in here. Or is there? Uh <laughs> Okay, um, yeah, The Matrix, uh, I'm going to give it um, eight and a half bullet times out of ten. Okay, and I'm going to stick with my seven black cats because I was so annoyed by the self-commentary and I was so delighted by uh, re-engaging the feeling of The Matrix that um, it levels out to a seven. Okay. Well, thanks so much, guys. We'll see you next week. Oh, but I'll add, actually, an entire point just because Keanu Reeves is in it. Okay, so eight eight black hats. Great, guys. We'll see you next week, or we'll try to. It's going to be tough because we're going to a wedding this weekend, and it's New Year's and family, and wow. Uh, we'll see. We'll try. Okay. Um, and with that, thank you, and go watch The Matrix. Uh, we loved it. It. We loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Sure. Sure.
Can't wait for the next one. I know. Bye. Is there a next one? Who knows? So far, they're not announcing, but it looks like it should be because apparently uh, they can do anything now. They can fly and uh, plant uh, pink rainbows in the sky, and Agent Smith is still out there. They yell about directors, yell about the plot, yell about the acting, but they also talk a lot, but mostly Joshua and Phoebe, yeah, about the movie.